I'll go ahead and have a seat for a moment. Um, so for the last few weeks, we've, you know, we, we, we knew uh, we would have a Sunday here that would be kind of a, uh, we finished up our last series and we'll start a new one uh, called Summer and Psalms starting next Sunday, which we're excited to jump into over the summer. But this week, uh, I've been planning to, to share something called What I'm Thinking, where I just kind of lay out some things that are on my mind and what, you know, scripture has to say about that. And uh, the timing really couldn't have been better because we were planning to do this already. Uh, certainly, I know one of the things that is on all of our minds this week in particular is, you know, how do we process the things that we've seen happen uh, this week? And as I said, even going back a couple of weeks into Buffalo before that, and just, you know, what, what do we do with that? And, and more specifically, how do, we, um, how, how do we take care of one another? In the midst of that, that's the direction that I want to go. This isn't a, you know, how do we solve the problem that, that you know, we're going to have these, these problems with us, but, you know, how, what do we do and, and where do we go? And so, certainly, the first answer to that is that we turn to Scripture, we turn to what God has to say. Uh, and so, I, I want to do that. I'm going to start today and I want to share a few different Scriptures. I'm going to start here and then I'm going to share some other things too that have been on my mind lately that I think are important for us as a church. But let's just start here. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, where it says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. You know, the first thing that this passage reminds us of that, that we just need, we know this already, but we need to be reminded, guys, we need to pray. We need to be people of prayer, first and foremost. And uh, it, it says that, that we are to be, verse 7, it says, be alert and of sober mind so that you can pray. In other words, during times of tragedy, really any other time, as believers... What we should be doing is trying to think clearly about how we can pray. What is it that, that we need to specifically be praying about? And so I urge you to seek to do that and, and yet at the same time acknowledge the fact that when you go through something difficult and if you've been, well, not an if, everybody here has been through some type of personal tragedy, something that hits home with you very deeply and you really struggle with, when you go through a time like that, Sometimes it's hard to think clearly, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard to be able to feel like your mind is, is functioning correctly and clear. But, but it says here to, to be sober-minded, that, that we need to be intentional about trying to think clearly for the purpose of praying effectively. And so that's the goal. Is how, how do we, and, and by the way, the way we do that is through what coming back to Scripture and what God has to say and letting that dictate how we think. That's how we make sure that we're thinking clearly. But then it goes into um, verse 8, and it says, above all, love each other deeply. Now, that word deeply there is it's an interesting Greek word. It means to stretch something out until it's completely taught. So the idea here is don't leave any slack. Isn't that an interesting thought to think about? Loving each other without leaving any slack. Don't, don't leave anything about it. I mean, just love completely. And we need that desperately, especially right now. Uh, it makes me think about what 
Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, he said, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, then I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. So can I just remind us once again, the most important thing we do is to love each other. Certainly love God, first and foremost, but, but when we respond to any type of situation, any type of tragedy, or for that matter, just responding to life in general, the most important thing we can do is to love each other, to, to be there for one another. It says, above all else, that we are to love each other. And frankly, I, you know, sometimes I think maybe we make this a little harder than it needs to be. Because if you've ever walked alongside somebody that is going through a difficult season, I know you have. I mean, this is just part of life. But sometimes it's hard to know what to say, right, or to do. And you think, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to do the wrong thing. And granted, there are certain things that we should avoid saying when somebody's going through a difficult season, probably certain things we should avoid doing. But I wonder sometimes if we make it more complicated than it needs to be because the most important thing we can do is to be there. And if you've gone through a difficult time, you know that. If you've had somebody come alongside you that's just been there for you, that's just said, I love you, I'm here, I don't necessarily, you know, we're, we're not going to solve it by saying the right thing, but by being there and just letting people know that, that, that we're there and we love them. And, and beyond that, here's something. If you, if you feel like you need to say something to somebody who's going through a difficult time, here's something really simple, but but. There's a lot of wisdom in just asking this simple question, how can I be praying for you? Right? That, that's, that's a simple question, but and specifically maybe. I mean, if somebody's going through a difficult time, you kind of know in general maybe, but is, is there any specific way that I can be praying for you? Because prayer is the most powerful thing we have. And it also communicates to say to somebody, how can I be praying for you? It communicates, I care deeply about you. I care enough about you to bring you before the Father. And so... That's, that's a great place to start, is just to simply ask folks how we can be praying for them. Because, you know, as it says here in verse 8, you get to the end of this verse and it says that love covers over a multitude of sins. You know, that, that there is a lot of power in the love that, that we can express. But, but that makes me think of the love that God expressed to us. Our love technically we can't cover over sins by the way that we love one another. But that's what God has done for us. That's what Christ has done for us. That's what the gospel message is all about. It's that we were living in rebellion toward God. We certainly were, were full of sinfulness. And yet he loved us in such a way that his love covered over the multitude of our sins. That's why Jesus went to the cross for me and for you. And if you ever feel like you're too far gone or have done so much that God can't forgive, I want to tell you today that love covers over a multitude of sins. And I'm so grateful that it does because I need that. You need that. And that's what God provides. That's what he makes available for us. That's what Jesus did. He went to the cross for us to shed his blood to cover our sins because love covers over a multitude of sins. 
And then he didn't stay in the tomb. He, he, he rose. He's alive today and, and, and living uh, Savior that, that we worship. And so Jesus is the one who really does this. But then we can, in a sense, follow in his footsteps. Not that we become someone's Savior, which that's a whole other sermon. Sometimes we try to do that. And I won't go there right now. But we can follow his uh, example of loving people in spite of the fact that maybe they're difficult to love, right? Because Jesus didn't wait for us to get our act together and to become worthy before he loved us and covered over, used his blood to, to cover over our sins. And I think about, you know, situations like the, the, the last couple of tragedies that we have seen. And it's obvious, I mean, it kind of goes without saying, right? There is something seriously, seriously wrong with someone who would, uh, you know, drive two hours to just kill as many people as he can because of the color of their skin. There is something seriously wrong with someone who goes into an elementary school and just starts shooting children and teachers. I mean, obviously, we understand that, right? Like, there, there is something really off there. There's something really just wicked and evil about that. And yet there's a part of me that wonders this. I wonder what their background was like and, and, and were they difficult to love? I'm quite sure they were because you don't get to a point of doing something like that without having something in you that would be really offensive to people around you, right? And, and I don't know their whole background. I mean, I, I saw this most recent uh, person who shot all the people in, in Uvalde and, and, and I saw an interview with his grandfather and it appears that at least there were some people in his life that were seeking to love him. Um, but I do wonder how, how might things have been different if they had been loved deeply but it's also a reminder to me of there are people around us they're gonna be hard to love and yet love covers over a multitude of sins and so we love people in spite of the fact that they may be hard to love so obviously you know, one of the things that's been on my mind is, 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 certainly, is certainly that, that we need to pray and that we, um, we need to love each other. But kind of connected to that and, and certainly what's been in, um, in our faces again over and over again has just been the condition that, that people are in, the struggles um, that, that people are going through. And who knows? I, I'll be honest. I can't, I can't wrap my mind around or relate to what could possibly lead someone to do the things that have been done. Um, but I do know this, that there are a lot of people that are struggling right now. A lot of people that are struggling emotionally. Um, and by the way, one of the things that, that I'm thankful for is the fact that discussions about mental health have become a little bit more commonplace. And uh, some of the stigma is starting to drop away from that. And we still have a ways to go there. But I am grateful for that. What I'm not grateful for is the fact that the discussions about mental health are so, so needed right now because so many people are struggling. And the last couple of years in particular, uh, it, it has just gone through the roof. And, you know, all the things that, that it's going to take a long time before, you know, we fully understand all the, the effects of COVID and all that that's done. You know, we know the, the physical illness that it's brought and the number of people that have died and, and those kinds of things. But in my opinion, there's been potentially even greater damage done to emotional health. Because going through something like what's happened for so many is that so many people have, 
have, have isolated themselves to the point that, that they're just kind of cut off from relationship. And I read a verse like this that tells us to love each other deeply, to love each other without you know, leaving any slack. It's like, how can we do that if we isolate ourselves from one another? And the answer is we really can't. And the more we isolate, the, the, the more we tend to struggle with issues of emotional health and, and things along those lines. And so, um, man, it just, it just reminds me of the importance of us investing in one another. And, um, you know, the, the, the reality is this. I, you've experienced this. I've experienced this. When we're not well, we, we do tend to turn inward, right? We, we tend to become focused only on ourselves. And I can think of, thankfully, most of my life, physically speaking, I've been rather healthy. But even just when I get sick, I don't know about you, when I get sick, like I just, I just all I can think about is getting better, right? It's hard to focus on other things when you're not well. That's true physically, but I know that's certainly true emotionally. I think back to, it's nearly been three years ago now that we got the news that our youngest daughter was diagnosed with cancer. And just working through all those initial stages of that, um, I'll be real honest with you, it was very, very difficult for a, a, a quite a long period of time to feel like I could care for other people when I was so worried about my own family. You know, first and foremost, Autumn, and then Brooke and Autumn and myself, and how do we work through this? Um, it's really hard to be outward focused when you're you know, so consumed by something that's causing you to not be well. And, you know, there are seasons that we go through. And that's okay, by the way. It's okay for a season, for a period of time, maybe to pull back and to, to focus on. And by the way, let me just say this too. It's also not only okay, but it, there, there's great wisdom in reaching out for help during those seasons. Allowing yourself to be surrounded by other people or even reaching out to those who can help from a professional level to, to say, I need someone who is trained that can walk me through and help me from a biblical standpoint, understand how to process the things that I'm going through. That takes courage and it takes wisdom to do that. So I want to encourage that, um, that, that that's a good thing. But, but then just to, to be there for one another as well and to help encourage each other and walk alongside each other. And, you know, I, I think about different ministries that are so many great ministries out there that do those kinds of things. But I think about the impact that one ministry in particular, a ministry called Regeneration, many of you are familiar with it, some of you have been through it. Just the impact that, that I've seen that have just right here within our own church family, not to mention all the other churches out there that are going through this. But it, it's, if you're not familiar with Regen, it's a ministry that is designed to help us work through whatever kind of brokenness we might be dealing with. And everybody's dealing with some form of brokenness, but it's a discipleship program that helps you really dig in and, and grow through that. And so there are opportunities like that. And I don't mention that because I'm trying to, you know, make a commercial for a particular ministry. I, I mention that because I've seen the freedom and the healing that's come to people that have, that have gone through those types of things. And so I would highly encourage that um, don't walk through it alone. If you're struggling, uh, in particular, with emotional health, one, make sure you're connected, but two, reach out for help. Find people, whether that is a professional counselor, whether that is a ministry like Regen or something else that can help you walk through that. Um, we're to love each other. Above all else, it says, love each other deeply. We can't do that when we live in isolation. So, 
My, my prayer is that we move to greater levels of connection and interdependence. So that, that's a long way to say the first thing that's on my mind is that we must love and pray for each other. That, that's the first thing. We must love and pray for each other. But then the second thing is really closely related to that. And so let me just jump right into the next one. And that is that we need to go deeper in our discipleship. When, when we love and pray for each other, it helps us take that next step of going deeper in our discipleship. Um, Hebrews 5.12 is a verse that you know, may not come to mind quite as often as it used to for me when I think about our church family, but it does still come to mind. It says, in fact, by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. And this last little phrase there, you need milk, not solid food. Gateway family, I do not want our church to be filled with spiritual infants. Now, I, I understand that some are in that infant stage. And by the way, there's no shame in that. Nobody criticizes a three-month-old for only being able to take milk and not eating a steak, right? But we also understand that as we grow and mature, there should come a point where we move on to solid food so that we can grow and become who God has designed us to be. And so we need to grow deeper in our faith. And I, I want to see that in my own life. I want to see that in your life. I want to see you grow deeper in your faith. And, and that's why we've been talking so much about our five priorities as a church and challenging those kinds of things. That's why we talk about our four core commitments, the worship, grow, serve, impact, come to church, get connected in biblical community in some type of small group, find a place to serve and give so that the impact of God's kingdom can spread. Those four things are about personal growth. They're about discipleship. That's what that's all about. It's really not, I mean, please hear me on this. It's not about what we want from you. It's what we want for you. We want to see you grow. And so that's why we encourage these types of things that will put us in a place. Now, there's nothing automatic about that, but they'll put us in a place where we're more likely to grow. And as you grow up and mature and become an adult, you know, there, there are things that you can enjoy that infants can't. There are benefits that come. Now, all of us that, that, that are adults, and most of us in the room are right now, we understand that there are some responsibilities and some things that aren't so fun about being an adult sometimes too, right? We know that. We can acknowledge that. But can we also acknowledge the fact that there's a lot of really cool stuff that comes with being an adult too that you don't get when you're an infant? I mean, I, I think about things like, you know, being able to, to know Christ personally. An infant can't do that. I think about getting married, having children, building close relationships. I mean, just taking in the beauty of God's creation around us and around the you know, places we travel. I mean, we could go on and on and on and on and talk about the things that adults are able to experience and are capable of doing that infants aren't. And so although it takes, you know, some effort and some time, we, the goal is to grow up. The goal is not to be a spiritual infant. And if you feel like you're still young in your faith, we want to come alongside you. This, it's not a shame on you or criticize you. It's let us help you. But you've got to take some responsibility yourself. You've got to be able to take, be, be willing to take some steps toward growing up in your faith. Uh, let me just mention one more thing here that ties on, then we'll, we'll, we'll move on. But uh, do you know how big muscles are built? 
Obviously, I don't, so I, I won't go there. I do not know. No, I know it in my head. This is how big muscles are built, by being broken down so that they repair themselves in a certain way. So, so muscles are built by adding excess weight or higher levels of resistance so that it, it tears the muscle down. And what happens is it fuses back together in a way that creates more mass and, and more size than was there before. That's what working out does. If you don't add some more weight or some more resistance in some way, you're not going to grow. And that's a, a wonderful picture of spiritual growth. If we're not adding more weight, if we're not adding greater levels of resistance spiritually, we're not going to grow stronger. And so that's why we need to, 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 to push ourselves, challenge ourselves to, to, to grow. And specifically, let me encourage you to do this. Find things in your life that put you in a place where you have greater levels of resistance or more weight that you're having to carry for the purpose of getting stronger. And I'll tell you one of them that is on my mind and on my heart a lot for myself personally, but for my church. Here's a great way to do that, and that is to be more bold and more active in sharing the gospel with people in your life. I'm going to tell you right now that if you've not been in the habit of doing that, when you start thinking about how am I going to have a conversation with somebody about who Christ is and about you know, what he has done, you're going to face some resistance. And I'm going to tell you this, it's 99% of the time it's going to be internal <laughs> because we fight ourselves over that and we worry about saying the wrong thing or how someone's going to respond and there's all going to respond to us. There's all this internal resistance that we have. Now, occasionally, maybe there's some external resistance as well. I've discovered that's typically pretty rare, but that's a great way to stretch yourself to grow, to look at every conversation of, Lord, is this an opportunity for me to talk to someone about Christ? I'm telling you, you'll grow in your faith. You'll get stronger if you do that. So, we need to grow up. We need to go deeper in our discipleship. Now, let me share one more thing that's on my mind, and I, we, we could be here all morning. If you wanted to know a full brain dump, you would be here for a long, long time, because there's always something swirling around up there. But here's the last thing I want to touch on today, uh, something I've been thinking a lot about, is the fact that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Um, Proverbs 29 is a chapter that talks, it starts about talking about the king and all this kind of stuff. But then you, you get down into verse 18, and I'm going to read to you uh, from the NIV, and then I'll, I'll quote it in a way that may be a little more familiar to some of you. But Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Some of you may be more familiar with the translation that says, Where there is no vision, the people will perish. The, the idea here of, of revelation or vision is the idea of God providing that type of revelation to leaders who then pass that on to people so that they can move in the direction that God wants them to move. That's really what leadership is all about, at least in, in this context. What we're talking about here when I say leadership matters, we need people who are in close connection with God, who are hearing from God, who can take what God is saying and can lead other people in the direction that God wants us to go. That matters. And uh, we you know, have leaders in, in all different levels of our church and in all different areas, um, but you know, I, I 
here's what I always do, just so you know. When we're talking about this kind of stuff, I kind of try to turn it inward and say, okay, wh- what about me? What, what, what do I need to do here? Let's start with myself and then pass it on. And, you know, just looking at this for myself, this is something that I've been focused a lot on recently. How do I become a more effective leader? And I'll give you a little bit of the background, a little bit of the story uh, how we've got to the point that we are, and most of you may know this already, some of you may not know, uh, but, but that we, my wife and I, Sean, we planted Gateway, uh, it's been a little over 21 years now that we've been doing this, so I've been the only pastor or senior pastor here for 21 years, and early on, um, the kind of, of leadership that was required is a lot different from what is needed now. Because in the early stages, we had about 35 of us all together, and so everybody had to do everything, including me, and so I had to kind of be involved in a little bit of everything, and as time has gone on and as our church has grown, part of the growth process is the leadership looks different, right? And so my job now is more, how do I cast vision for where we need to go? How do I make sure that we're moving in the direction that that God wants us to move? And by the way, I don't do that by myself, thankfully. We have a group of elders that we pray together about things. We have an amazing staff that we bounce things off of one another and work together. So it's not all me. I want you to hear that very clearly. But, but I know that, that God has given me the, the, the responsibility to kind of be the, the lead person in those conversations. So how do we do all of that? Um, and, and I'll just be real honest with you and, and tell you this. If you were to ask staff members who were here six or eight years ago how well I did with providing vision for our church, if they were being honest with you, they would say, not very well. Yeah, they might have said he does a decent job of you know, teaching and preaching, and, uh, and he's a great guy and good at building relationships, but we need more clear vision. And I'll, I'll just tell you, I, I know that about myself. I know that, that, that my tendency is to get more you know, head down, grind away, get in the details, and just get it done, as opposed to head up, looking, where do we need to go, and, and where is God leading us? And so years ago, uh, we were talking through this with our elders, which thankfully we have a group of people that can help us think through that stuff. And and somebody very wisely made a suggestion and said, what if we bring somebody in who is really gifted in this area of kind of, you know, setting vision and working with churches to help create that. And so we did. And we brought a guy by the name of Lawrence Phipps came in and spent some time with us, uh, I think just over a weekend, spent a few hours with our staff. And then he sends us a report and says, here's what I see and here's what I think. And this would be a good direction for the church. And I took that report and I got it one evening. And I remember sitting in my home and I pulled it out. It was about a page long and I began to read it. And as I began to read that report, I just started weeping. Just if you know me, I don't wear my emotions on my sleeve. So this is not normal for me. Okay. And I, I'm, just, I'm just crying. I, and I wish I could tell you that the reason that I just began to weep is because I was so thankful that God had provided direction for our church. That wasn't the reason. The reason that I sat there and began to weep is because I felt like an incredible failure. Because this guy came in and in a few hours was able to provide better direction for our church than I'd been able to do in 15 years. And I thought, what's wrong with me? And, and, and began to, to question. You know, I, I know the things that I can do. I know the things that, that, I, that I think I'm gifted at. But I'm not sure that, that I can take our church where we need to go. 
Well, fast forward a little bit, and I'm still a work in progress there, but am much, much more confident in that area of being able to focus on uh, bigger picture types of things, more vision-focused stuff. We just came off of that, the last series talking about five priorities and just identifying, you know, exactly where we need to go. And I'll tell you why we were able to get to that point. First and foremost, because God is God, right? So God gets the credit for that. But also the fact that we have leaders in place that have stepped into areas that have allowed me to pull back and to be able to take my head up a little bit rather than just constantly down working, to be able to lift my head up and look and listen and seek God's direction. And again, God is the one who gets the credit and the glory for that. But our, our leaders in the church do too. Starting with our staff, who's an amazing group of people, our elders, uh, many of you serving in so many different areas. I want you to know that when you do what you do, it frees me up to do what I do. And so leadership matters. And that's something that I think about a lot these days because I know um, that if we're going to continue moving the direction God wants us to move, we have to have leaders in place. And I'm thankful for the ones that we have. I'm thankful for the fact that you know, there was a day where I felt like we had all these all-star capable people sitting on the sideline, not even in the game at all. I don't feel that way so much anymore. We now have a lot of those all-stars serving and in the game, which is wonderful. Um, there's still room for growth there, by the way, and we still need more. But we're headed in the right direction. So leadership matters. I'm thinking that we need to go deeper in our discipleship. And then I want to come back to the very first one and close on that note and, of reminding us that, that we need to love each other and we need to pray. And in fact, we're going to do that now. Uh, that's how we're going to close out our service today is that we are going to prepare ourselves to just have a time of prayer. Uh, and here in just a few moments, Stephen's going to come up and he's going to lead us through a corporate prayer time today as we pray for one another, as we pray specifically over some of the, the tragic things that have happened here the last couple of weeks. Um, we want to pray. But also before we get to that point, I want to say this to you. There may be something on your heart today that you personally need prayer for. And remember what we said earlier, that we need each other. We need to be able to reach out to each other, to be vulnerable, to be open with one another. And so I'm going to be available, as some of our, the rest of our staff will too. I'm going to slip out after I pray and go right back to the Next Step Center. Stephen's going to come and lead us through corporate prayer. But as we're doing that, let me just encourage you. We're not going to do our normal have a stand and sing kind of a thing because we're just going right into prayer time. I want you to just slip out and come back and, and share with me what's on your heart today. How can we pray for you? What can we do to encourage you today? And so let's pray together. And then we'll go into our corporate prayer time. And I'll make my way back there. I would love to be able to pray with you as well. Let's pray. Father, today we come asking that you will help us to love each other well as you have called us to, 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 to pray for one another. Lord, we certainly want to spend some time praying for those that, that really need it today, but also I know that we need it. There are things on our hearts today, so whatever we're struggling with, Lord, I pray that we're able to turn to one another for the encouragement and support that we need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.